Welcome to Strange Land, everybody. It is I, Dr. Dark. This week, we are going to dive into a conspiracy theory known as Solar Warden. In addition to that, there's going to be a bit of a tie-in to a gentleman by the name of Gary McKinnon. It's a loose tie-in, but you'll see how it fits in as we you know, really dive into this whole theory here. Once again, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. It's doing great. Uh, again, well beyond what I ever could have imagined. If you want to consider being a Patreon subscriber, supporter, check out the Patreon links that are provided in both the show notes, on my social media, you get the drill. So without further ado, let's get this going. So what is Solar Warden? Well, in essence, the theory is that it is a multinational secret space program that basically encompasses the United States, China, Russia, amongst others. And reportedly, it dates back to the early 80s. Born out of the SDF, or Strategic Defense Initiative, of the early 80s, Solar Warden consisted of eight aircraft carrier-sized ships with 43 protector ships, which scan the solar system for alien intrusions. Being that the program is multinational, there is a treaty stating that only X amount of alien craft are allowed here at any given time. And evidently, this treaty has been routinely breached by multiple alien species. Now, Ronald Reagan, when he was president, he himself was aware of this, and he even documented it. Harper Collins, the book publisher, they put out a book back in the day called The Reagan Diaries, which, uh, which in essence consisted of random notes or musings. It was a journal for Reagan where he would just document random things throughout his day. And on page 334, there's a note dated 6-11-85 stating, quote, lunch with five top space scientists. It was fascinating. Space truly is the last frontier, and some of the developments there in astronomy, etc., are like science fiction, except they're real. I learned that our shuttle capacity is such that we could orbit 300 people. End quote. Now, this info doesn't really jive with what we know. What we know is that NASA's shuttle fleet of four shuttles can occupy up to eight people each. So basic math, four shuttles, maximum capacity of eight people, you're looking at 32 people, not 300 people per shuttle, which Reagan is referring to. So clearly there is some spacecraft that we're not aware of. Now, this shouldn't be shocking to anybody. Over the years, numerous whistleblowers and aeronautical experts have stepped forward revealing details, often not specifically referencing Solar Warden by name, but referencing a secret space program or referencing secret spacecraft, advanced anti-gravity technologies. So in essence, NASA, so in essence, NASA is a cover. It's a cover program that's basically using archaic antiquated technologies 
rocket propulsion tech for their shuttles. Now, the first mention of Solar Warden by name came in March of 2006 on a forum called Open Minds. If you're not familiar, Open Minds is a chat forum. It's a message board for conspiracies, UFOs, etc. It's really a pretty cool forum if you check it out. And according to administrators of the forum, the source is and was reliable. The individual who brought up Solar Warden by name. According to the source, all space programs are a cover, merely in place to deceive the general public, and I'm guessing not to freak everyone out. Because as with many of these things, especially UFOs, aliens, etc., even though we've had an influx of validation from our government, now obviously we can't trust our government for shit, but we've had an influx of images, of videos that they are validating to the general public. But if we had hardcore, tangible, definitive knowledge that there are other life forms out there, that there's possibly other life forms working with our government, our military, I really think people would freak out a little bit. Now, referencing back to that fleet of protector ships, the ones that are working in conjunction with the aircraft carrier-sized ships, scanning the solar system. There's mention that one of those fleet ships was taken out back in 2005 while in Mars's orbit as it was resupplying the multinational colony within Mars, which, allegedly, was built jointly by the U.S. and USSR in 1964. So this dates back even further than we originally stated here. In this base, this colony has upwards of 650,000 people. Some of this information has been corroborated by a Livermore physicist named Arthur Newman, a.k.a. Henry Deacon. Livermore is a national laboratory research facility out in California. Now, Arthur slash Henry... His story is a show in and of itself, and maybe I'll do a show exclusively about him in the near future. Let's just say he has extensive knowledge of many, many things regarding extraterrestrials, UFOs, things that the government has been working on for decades. So when you look at this information and the possibility that our government, as well as others, have reverse-engineered anti-gravity propulsion systems, it would explain why... All anti-gravity research has become so highly classified and it explains why civilians who have researched it have been cast out, basically. Much like a gentleman by the name of Otis Carr in 1961, he was a protege of Nikola's Tesla. The suppression of Carr and his findings was revealed in 2007 through testimony of his own protege, Ralph Ring. Ralph Ring was an innovator. He was a technician, again, working alongside Otis Carr, who also was an innovative technician. And Ralph Ring is noted to have co-piloted a 45-foot disc, a distance of approximately 10 miles, give or take, arriving at the destination they were seeking out instantaneously. Now, there is a wonderful website called projectcamelot.org that goes into a lot of this information. 
They have a lot of interviews. They have an interview with Ralph Ring himself. They also have interviews with uh, Arthur Newman or Henry Deacon, who I mentioned a few minutes ago. So check it out, projectcamelot.org. And I mentioned a few minutes ago, there have been numerous engineers over the years, aeronautical experts that have been whistleblowers about this information. There's a gentleman by the name of Clark McKellen. Clark was a former spacecraft operator for NASA back in the late 80s, early 90s for NASA shuttle missions. He states that he once witnessed an eight to nine foot tall astronaut in what looked like a delta winged anti-gravity vehicle, stating that he assumed it was an extraterrestrial being just due to its size. Now, when you think of large beings, as Clark stated, eight to nine foot tall astronaut, some may be even taller. Does the Anunnaki ring a bell? If you recall my previous episode about the Anunnaki, it makes mention of how large they were. And flipping back, Arthur Newman slash Henry Deacon, he brings up the Anunnaki in his interview with Project Camelot, acknowledging their existence and acknowledging that they do work in conjunction with us. Another individual, dating back this time to March of 1993. Now, I wouldn't really call this individual a whistleblower per se, but former CEO Dr. Ben Rich of Lockheed Martin's Skunk Works. Now, Lockheed Martin is a government contracting company, and the Skunk Works project specifically dealt more in the aircraft technology. So Dr. Ben Rich, he showed a slide at an engineering conference with a black disc on it, stating, quote, we now have the tech to take E.T. home. And multiple corporate and military whistleblowers, again, have come forward with information about specific aircraft known as the Aurora and also the TR-3B. The Aurora is a secret replacement for the Blackbird. The Blackbird was a hypersonic aircraft. And the Aurora is noted to have flown twice as fast, utilizing two types of hypersonic pieces of technology. Additionally, according to a gentleman by the name of Edgar Fouch, a former contractor for the Department of Defense, the Aurora is capable of speeds above Mach 5, and it acts as a mothership for the SR-74 that can travel at speeds of Mach 18 or more. Now, the TR-3B is noted to be a large black triangular vehicle. Ring a bell? I feel like we've been seeing a lot of more recent images of these triangular-shaped vehicles, aircraft, whatever you want to call it. And it is noted to use Beefield Brown or Bifeld Brown effect by generating an intense magnetic field that reduces its weight by 89%. Hence why it can move so damn fast. So as time's gone on, we've had numerous entities that have tried to come out. They've tried to bring this information to the forefront. Yet, as with many things that revolve around our government and likely other nations' governments around the world, it was shut down. It was suppressed. 
But in 2007, a gentleman by the name of John Leonard Walson, he is a British amateur astronomer. He was able to hook up certain pieces of technology to his telescope. And these pieces of technology then enabled it to record invisible, infrared, and ultraviolet spectrums to back to the telescope. And so what he would do is he would take these images and he was able to isolate them, the best ones, and then combine them together. And this technology is called luminance layering. And according to many, many experts, the technology is 100% legit and it works. So what he did, he was recording stars. And that's when he turned out, that's when he noticed that some of these stars turned out to not really be stars. They turned out to be space platforms similar to what has been reported about aircraft carrier sized ships. And these space platforms are equipped with solar panels, weapons, etc. And so he actually has the images and the videos and he has released them. He has a YouTube channel, incredibly compelling stuff. But he did mention that after he originally released these images and videos, he very suspiciously started to have black helicopters that would hover, fly around his house. Suspicious. It's a little sus, don't you think? So as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, how does this tie into a gentleman by the name of Gary McKinnon? Well, as I ranted about in a past mini-episode, the movie War Games, it had its finger squarely on the pulse of hacking slash, you know, AI, etc. back in the early 80s. As I was reminiscing upon that movie, I came upon a story about this guy, Gary McKinnon, where he speaks of seeing War Games as a kid and being intrigued by the idea of hacking into government systems, i.e. the Pentagon. So, Gary, he's a Scottish... British computer expert slash hacker who had an obsession with UFOs. So as a kid, after his parents separated, he moved to London with his mother and his stepfather, whom Gary described his stepfather as being a UFO buff, being that he lived in Falkirk, which just so happens to be near a place called Bonnie Bridge, which is known by many to be the UFO capital of the world. So Gary is a kid, he read up on UFOs, science fiction, etc. And at the age of 15, he joined Bufora, B-U-F-O-R-A, aka the British UFO Research Association. Now he reportedly believed that many governments around the world, more importantly, the US, had extensive information about UFOs slash aliens, and that they weren't divulging any of this information to the public. He mentions that he knew that the U.S. government used Windows as an operating system, which he has gone on the record saying that it's a, it's a junk system. So in 1995, he was dating a girl, and he would go over to his girlfriend's aunt's house, and he would begin, he'd get on his computer, and he'd begin searching and he came upon multiple U.S. government and military establishments with network administrators who didn't bother to use passwords because, of course, they didn't. I mean, can you imagine this? You're stumbling around. 
I'm going to check out these government websites, these military websites, etc., and their networks. And he's able to hack into them and quickly realizes that the network administrators didn't bother to use passwords. How inept do we have to be? But I digress. So this is how he accessed our government systems and stumbled upon a spreadsheet on a U.S. Navy server. He mentioned that while snooping around, he utilized a command that allowed him to see other hackers on the same networks as him. And these other hackers, he has gone on the record saying that they are from numerous other countries. So there were multiple individuals from countries around the world that were doing the exact same thing as him. And so the spreadsheet that he stumbled upon made mention of, quote, non-terrestrial officers that listed names of individuals serving on spaceships. Now, he has said that he admits that he believes that these names were or are actually human beings. But after searching for the names of the ships in the Naval Registry, he found that none of them existed. Wink, wink, existed. So he believed them to exist as a fleet in space. In addition, he found a picture within these documents of a cigar-shaped spacecraft. McKinnon also mentions a woman named Donna Hare. Donna was a former NASA employee who has gone on the record stating that she has seen many, many photos over the years while she was employed there of UFOs. But the majority of the time, they were... They were edited and were blurred out or something to that effect. That is until a coworker of hers brought her a photo showing a cigar-shaped aircraft that she believed to be real that was unedited. Now, Hare, she worked at Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas, specifically in Building 8 of Johnson Space Center. Now, Building 8 will go on to be a very important piece of this story here. So back to McKinnon, he was intrigued by Hare and her story, so he decided to expand his hacking, and he developed a program which searched for specific images on NASA systems, and he was looking for the craft that she described. Just so happens that his program narrowed down the number of computers that the image was found on to just a few, and they all just so happened to be in, guess where? Building 8 at Johnson Space Center. According to Gary, most of the computers had no passwords, again, shocking, to access. So once in, he noticed that they all had blank desktops, which is a little strange. But he found one of them to have multiple file folders titled Raw, Filtered, Processed, and Unprocessed. So after you know going through the files... Gary found the image, but was unable to download it to his own computer due to its size. So he's remote desktoped in. So since he can't download it, he decides to open the image, which for all you youngins out there, this wasn't exactly the fastest process in the world back in the day. So as the story goes, he's waiting for this image because it's a big file to open up on this remote desktop. And as it finally opens to reveal the unedited image of this UFO, 
that Donna Hare spoke about, Gary was kicked off the machine, seemingly by a user on that end in building eight who may or may not have noticed that someone was accessing the desktop remotely. So Gary did this for quite a few years from the sounds of it. And he continued to stumble upon more and more content, which verified the existence of a secret space program, including one called the Manned Orbiting Laboratory, or MOL, which was a joint program between the Air Force and NASA back in the 60s. MOL was originally going to create a secret spy station, but Nixon nixed it back in 1969. No pun intended there. Now, ultimately, what happened? Well, Gary got caught. Gary got caught doing this. Now, granted, he's over in London, but the U.S. in 2002 worked with the U.K. to bring charges against him, and they tried to get him extradited, accusing him of causing approximately $800,000 in damages. Both the U.S. and the U.K. media picked up on the story, but the tie-in to the UFO piece was never mentioned here in the States. It was only brought up in the UK. And so eventually, the story of this lands on the desk of then-UK Home Secretary Theresa May, who would go on to become Prime Minister. She prevented the extradition, citing McKinnon's diagnosis of Asperger's. So she prevented him from being extradited, saved him from serving prison time. Now, in 2012, the case against McKinnon ended, and since then, he's become a name in the UFO community. Now, you can see how this ties into Solar Warden. Being that Gary fell upon documentation of a secret space program, many people have associated these two things with each other, but McKinnon himself denies ever seeing anything that specifically mentions the name Solar Warden, but it doesn't mean that there wasn't that tie-in. So when you're looking at the whole picture, the whole scope of this, what this looks like, if it's legit, is that NASA, as we mentioned earlier, it's just a cover to show the American public or the world or whomever, whomever gives a shit anymore, that look at our rocket technology. But in actuality, NASA is just, a, it's a front. And our government, our military are actually the ones working with the advanced technology and have advanced space programs out there. Allegedly working with other countries. So what do you think? What do you think about this one? It's a little convoluted, but there's too many individuals, too many whistleblowers that came out mentioning these exact same things. Maybe not specifically by name, but the essence of. At some point, you cross that line of things just being a coincidence. So again, what do you think? Let me know. Hit me up. Social media. Email me. Welcome to Strangeland at Proton.me. Again, support the show. Check out my Patreon page. Any support is greatly appreciated. Leave a review. Please, please, please leave a review on Apple. Leave a review on Spotify. Leave a re review anywhere. 
all that does is it helps the show reach an even broader audience. And it's much appreciated. And frankly, I take even, you know, what some could construe as the negative feedback. I take it constructively. An individual pointed out that I say, you know, way too often. And you know what? That individual is right. So I've been very conscientious of that. So hopefully you're not picking up on too many of those. So until next time, stay strange.